This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. A video of the talk is also available along with more downloads at our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good afternoon everyone. The, uh, the Wise and Foolish Builders is uh, it's a parable we've just read um, in Luke chapter 6 and it also comes up in Matthew as well. And it, it's a parable, um, well, about, in a sense it's about foundations because the house that's built on the rock doesn't move when, when, the, um, when everything beats against it. Whereas the other house, particularly in Luke, it makes it quite clear that it just doesn't have a foundation. It's just sat straight on the earth and they're built directly on the earth without a foundation. And of course, that house is, is going to move if, uh, if the weather's particularly bad. It's going to get washed out from underneath and collapse. A little bit like the picture there. Um, I think that's probably moved because it's by the sea and the shoreline's moved over time. Um, it probably was built on quite a good foundation, I would imagine. Um, it's just that everything under the foundation's gone as well. However, that, that's the, the, um, the look, if you like, or, or the, the sense of the parable that we get. But Jesus was making a particular point when he gave this parable. Uh, and I suppose I ought to read it, really. So there's, this is how it goes in Luke. As we've just read, um, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the steam, stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing... Is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the ruin, ruin of that house was great. So you can see what the foundations equate to then, can't you? Jesus has just given a whole lot of information about how to live our lives and what the word of God is all about to these people. And he said, you have a choice. You can listen to what I say and do it. And then the thing that you will do is build, is build a foundation upon which your house or your life is built on. Or you can listen and do nothing and just build your life on nothing. And actually, I could probably sit down at that stage, couldn't I? Because that is what the parable is about. You listen to what Jesus says and you do it. And just highlight it a little bit more. So he who comes to me and hears my sayings and does them is a wise builder who builds a foundation. But he who heard and did nothing just builds on the ground and doesn't have a foundation at all. One will last forever and one will collapse. And that's, the, that's what the parable means. So I suppose to make it a little bit longer, we ought to look at what Jesus actually said. Now, I meant to bring it with me and I forgot. When I, when I was looking at this, I took the, the, the two um, chapters. In fact, if I go on to the next slide, you'll see it. 
There's two chapters um, that use this parable, or, or two sections. The first is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 to 7, verse 29. Basically, Matthew's chapter 5, 6, and 7. And the other one is Luke 6, that, that we had read, verse 20 to 49. Uh, and they are given, it's not a biblical title particularly, but they're given the title of the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain. They're two different occasions. Um, I took that to mean that it's okay for me to give lectures at other places that's the same as before because that's what Jesus did, so it's okay because he did that. Um, so, and, and actually, if you look at Luke, an awful lot of what is in Matthew crops up in other places in Luke, um, in Luke 11, in Luke 12, in Luke 14. These things crop up again and again um, as we go through. I was actually listening to Luke in the car. I've got the, um, I can never remember the, fellow's name, but it's the, it's the one who uh, plays Poirot, whose name I've completely forgotten. David Suchet. David Suchet that's it. And, and he's reading the NIV, and I was listening to it in the car, and I didn't get all the way to the end of Luke, and I kept saying, oh, that's in Matthew. That's, I kept spotting things that were in Matthew that he uses later on. So he does repeat these things over and over. Um, now, the Matthew one, I, I, I essentially, to, to look at it, because I have to do it this way, um, I printed the whole of Matthew 5, 6 and 7 out, stuck them together end to end and then put them, well, they didn't quite fit on the table and we've got quite a long table. Um, I did the same with Luke and that was only two sheets. Uh, so you can see the difference between the two. Um, however, um, I'm going to use Matthew, sorry about that, but I'm not going to read it all because it would take about 15 minutes. But I'm, I'm hopefully going to summarise. So what I, I would like you to do is if you open Matthew chapter 5, and six and seven and as we go through them you can look yourself and just see the things that, and I'm going to summarize and I'm at, there might be little bits that I don't summarize very well but you can look at it and you can see what what's being said because this is the point of Jesus parable he gave this what we I don't really like the word sermon but he gave this this talk to um very powerful talk actually to his disciples really um, there were other people there, but it was directed to his disciples about how to live your life. And he's saying, this is the foundation upon which to live your life. This is what I want you to do. Hear what I say and do it. So we'll very quickly go through what, what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7. So he starts with some blessings. Now... Blessed basically means happy. You're happy if you do these things. Now, I've asked you to turn it up, and I haven't turned it up myself yet, so give me a second. And I'm using a new King James Version, just so you know. So, it says, He opened his mouth, and he taught them, and said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Uh, and so on. And he, he gives a series of uh, some things are, sound like a paradox, paradox because it's blessed if you mourn, you'll be, you'll be comforted. Some of them are, are other sort of things. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Or the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Or the peacemakers, for they are the sons of God. And then the last one is blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Happy are you if you are persecuted for righteousness. That's quite something, isn't it? That he, he, he's suggesting... Um, that is is a blessing to be persecuted because, well, people are like that, he's saying, but if you keep to my word, that that's probably going to happen from time to time. But see it as a blessing from God 
because it shows that you are, are following God. And, and the general principle, I think, in, in many cases, is leave things in God's hands. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up, it says in James chapter 4. It's that principle, if you're poor in spirit, if you mourn, if you are meek, uh, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, if you are merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, and sometimes persecuted because of because of that. Those that's his beginning. He's saying, if you listen, you will be happy, even though from other people's points of view it may not be the case, because you know that God is pleased with you to do those things if you listen to my word and do it. And then he goes on. It gives us two little parables, two small parables, one about salt and one about light. I put the other way around, but now to light and salt. But anyway, he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its savour, how shall it be seasoned? It's, it's useless, you just throw it out. And I, and I read something we think of salt, because salt is just salt, isn't it? If it's, it's always salty salt, isn't it? But in, in those days, and, and, and still today, you can get a lot of salt impure. And what actually ha- can happen is... The saltiness goes and you're just left with dirt, effectively, and it's useless. That, that's all, and it gets, it's just thrown out and trampled underfoot, literally. So, what's he trying to say? Well, let's look at the other parable. It's a parallel to it. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And you don't put a lamp under a, under a bowl, do you? you? You put it somewhere prominent so it lights the room. And that's the same idea. So, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So again, that's, that's the principle that's being made. You're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, you need to make a difference. Your faith must be seen. You can't hide it. You've got to show what you believe. So let your light, or let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So that's the next principle that Jesus is saying. You can't hide these things. You've got, to, you've got to do them. They've got to be visible. You've got to live a life of Christ, not a hidden life, an actual life of Christ. And then he says he came to fulfill and not to destroy. And in particular, he says he came to fulfill the law and the prophets and not to destroy them. Well, what does he mean? Well, what he's saying is, there's a whole Old Testament, isn't there? Before we get the New Testament that comes with Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and so on, um, that we have with the advent of the Lord Jesus. And he's saying, I didn't come to destroy the Old Testament. I came to fulfil it. You can't have the New Testament without the Old Testament. And I came to fulfil it. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or tittle. And that means... Uh, dot the I's and cross the T's. I nearly always do that the wrong way around, but it's dot the I's and cross the T's. Every little bit will be fulfilled. Uh, and, and it is true, so we need to read it. So we need the whole Bible for, um, uh, for our salvation because Jesus says so. Uh, and actually the next, nearly all of the rest of what we call the Sermon on the Mount is about how Jesus fulfills the Old Testament and that's what he does it's, it's an introduction to a section all about that <coughs> so what about the commandments 
Um, how do we keep Jesus' commandments? It is what he says. So he says, we've got to keep the Old Testament, we've got to keep the commandments. Well, what are the commandments? Jesus, we've got to keep Jesus' commandments. Well, here's an example. Um, this isn't in, in Matthew chapter 5 particularly, but it's, it's a summary, if you like, and we'll see that later of what the law is. It says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And that's an important commandment of Christ. And it summarizes the Old Testament. Even though he describes it as a new commandment there, it's a summary of the Old Testament. And he says, we must do better than the scribes and the Pharisees because they live by the letter of the law. Um, They're described elsewhere as being, this is in Romans, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness. It's a bit selfish, isn't it? It's a bit about all about me, not about God. And they have not submitted to the righteousness of God. And that's the principle that Jesus is saying. You've got to be better than that. It's not all about you. It's about giving glory to God and keeping Christ's commandments. That's what you have to do. What about verse 19, Matthew 5, verse 19 to 26? Jesus says, I've summarized it there, anger is murder. Well, he says, you've heard that it was said by those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. Well, we can understand that, can't we? But I say unto you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And, and he's saying, don't call your brother a fool, because that's not the right way to be. When you bring a gift to the altar, uh, and you remember that you've got something against your brother, or your brother's got something against you, don't go to the altar. Go and sort it out first before you come to God. That's, that's important, Jesus says, in the way that you do your things. Losing your temper, in a sense, is as good as murder. Certainly in the sense of judgment. You've lost control. And it's no good. Don't lose your temper. So what should you do? Well, Jesus says, if you have a problem with someone, make it right. If someone has a problem with you, make it right. Even if you lose out. Even if it isn't to your favour. It's better to do that to the glory of God than it is to get your own way. That's what Jesus is saying. It's quite powerful stuff, isn't it? It's quite quite hard. And then when you've done that, you can come to God in peace because you have, you've done the right thing. You've done the better thing, the godly thing. And then he says, well, lust is the same as adultery. So he's saying, I guess it's more men than women really, but men looking and lusting at a woman is adultery in your heart. That's what Jesus says. And and we need to understand that, don't we? And we need to learn from it. So, what should you do? Well, Jesus says, he gives it this way. He says, well, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and throw it away. That's a bit of a shock, isn't it? To actually suggest that. Because you're better going to the kingdom with not all you, not everything there, but being whole in your heart that's the right phrase, than, than, he says, being cast into the fire of hell. And he means a rubbish tip outside Jerusalem. That's what the word means. Being thrown and destroyed. 
You don't want to be destroyed. You want to be in the kingdom of God. So if something causes you to sin, get rid of it and throw it away. Lose it. You're better off without it. Whether it's your eye, whether it's your hand, they're extreme examples, aren't they? Or, or whatever it is. That's Jesus' wisdom to us. Get rid of it. And this is sometimes somebody's solution if they're not happy with the wives or not happy with the husbands, is divorce. But Jesus says, that's not good enough. Divorce is not the solution. That's just a legalised way of committing adultery. And it's wrong. And Jesus says so quite categorically. He then goes on to say about swearing oaths uh, and saying, don't do it. Uh, and, and for good reason, really, because we might intend very much to do something, to do the right thing, or to, to do something that we say we will do, but sometimes we just don't have the power to do that. And so Jesus says, don't swear oaths. God expects a sworn oath to be kept. And if we go back to the Old Testament, there's lots of examples of that. There's Abraham, and that's a promise that God made. It says in the New Testament that, that God made a promise and swore by his own name because he couldn't swear by anything greater. And also, God doesn't lie. So we know that those promises are true. And the same goes with Isaac. Jacob and Esau, you know, the, 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 the things that Esau swore, well, they lost his birthright through it. Saul uh, and, and Jonathan and David, Jephthah, that was a bit of a disaster for Jephthah and his daughter. Hannah, Samuel, uh, and there's plenty in the law as well about those things. God expects us to keep our oaths if we make them. Jesus says, don't swear an oath. What he actually says is, well, when you say yes, mean yes. And when you say no, mean no. In other words, we need to be trustworthy, don't we? Trustworthy is one word, isn't it? Two words on there, that's me. Um, so it needs to be, we need to be trustworthy. That's what he's saying. You shouldn't need to swear an oath. You should, you should, your yes should be yes and your no should mean no. The end of chapter 5 talks about, and I've summarised it this way, of being gracious, of being generous. And actually the last verse says, you shall be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. So it's actually being like God in the way that we do things. And he, he begins it by saying, you have heard that it was said, here's the law again, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So if somebody knocks your tooth out, you can knock their tooth out. If somebody plucks your eye out, you can, it was actually a limitation of the law, so you can't go any further. But that, that was in the, in the law of Moses. But there was the opportunity for mercy. And Jesus says, mercy is more important. That's what you should do. So I tell you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. It's quite hard this, isn't it? If someone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, give him your cloak as well. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and to him who wants to borrow from you and do not turn away. And then he says, this is the law again, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbour and hate your enemy. So he said all these things, go the extra mile, give your stuff away if needs be, 
don't expect things in return. And then he says, summary really is love your neighbour. And he says, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbour and hate your enemy. And that's what they said. Jesus says, oh no, that's not true. Love your neighbour, love your enemy as much as your neighbour. It doesn't mean you have to like them, but it does mean you have to show love to them. Love your enemies. Because, well, we read it in Luke, you know, anybody, anybody will, will give to somebody who gives to you. If somebody's generous to you, you'll be generous back. If they take you out for a meal, you might take them out for a meal. Jesus says, never mind that. Look after those people who can't do those things. Give and don't expect things in return. Um, anybody, anybody can be friendly with their friends, he's saying. But instead, be like God. He's kind to those people who don't deserve it. He, put, he sends his sunshine and the rain on the just and on the unjust. And that's us, ultimately. We are, we are people who don't deserve the love of God, but he's prepared to give it. So pass it on to others, he's saying. So it's chapter 6. Secrets now, there's, and, and there's different sections here, but he says, well, do good works, or sorry, don't do good works, don't do good works, whether it's giving to charity, where it's helping with charity, whether it's looking after other people, don't do it. Says, it doesn't mean do it in a secret place so nobody ever can possibly see it. He says, don't do it to be seen of other men. Do it quietly, because you're doing it to please God. Not so other people can look and think how good you are. If that's what it is, you've already had your reward. And don't pray. When you, when you pray to God, don't pray to look really impressive. Perhaps wouldn't do that in the, in the, out there to these days, would we? People aren't so impressed by impressive prayers. But certainly in Jesus' day they were. If you, really, you look impressive or pious, make yourself look special. Are you doing it for that reason? No, you're praying to God. What's a man? Do it quietly and in secret. Don't do it to show off. Do it to honour God. And when you fast or when you give things up, um, don't do it to appear really saintly and, and wonderful to other people. Don't make, you know, in, in this case, if you fast, don't make yourself look ill just to show how good you are and how, how much you fast, how much you don't eat just to, to show off. That's no good at all. Um, don't let anybody know. Have a good wash and clean. And, and don't let anybody see what you're actually doing because you're doing it for God. You're doing it because of what God has done for you. More's the point. Don't do it because you want to show how, how amazing you are, how, how worthy you are of the things of God. That's, that's not the truth. In fact, I put a quotation up there in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6, because just to show how it comes from the Old Testament. Just listen to this, because that's exactly what they were doing in Isaiah's day. They were, they were using the fast to, to try and ingratiate themselves to God. And that wasn't what God was after. Verse 6, he says, Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, that, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring unto your house the poor who are cast out? And when you see the naked, that you cover them, 
and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. So he's saying, Jesus is picking up on the same idea, isn't he? That if we fast, if we give things up, then it's better if there's a reason, a reason to benefit others, to glorify God. And he says, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Don't do things for men. Do things to the glory of God. And he will see. Uh, verses 6, 7 to 15 and chapter 7 as well is a similar theme. is about prayer. And, and we know this well. It's about what we call the Lord's Prayer. So think who you are praying to and honour God. That's what the Lord's Prayer is about. Um, it's about honour to God and doing the will of God. And it's practical as well because Jesus gives that example. If you forgive men, so we pray that we uh, forgive those who sin against, sorry, yeah, forgive who sin, as, who sin, sorry, forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And, and Jesus comments on that and says, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It's a practical thing as well, isn't it? We can't just go to God and expect him to give. We've got to be different ourselves as well. And that's one of the ways that Jesus says we've got to be different. And in chapter 7, it tells, it says, Jesus says, ask Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find and it will be opened unto you. Uh, and knock, sorry, and knock and it will be opened unto you. So ask and seek and knock. Because God answers prayer. That's what he's saying. You know, would, if, if your son asked for a fish, would you give him a serpent? Or if he asked for bread, would you give him a rock? Of course you wouldn't. It'd be nasty, wouldn't it? It'd be an unpleasant thing if that was what you did. That's not what God is like. God will listen to prayer. Above all, then, uh, chapter 6, verse 19, what really matters? And this is sort of the, the centre of the whole of the Sermon on the Mount, really. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What really matters to you is where your heart is. Those two things go together. And Jesus says, you can tell what a man is like by where his heart is at. You can tell what matters to him or to, to a woman, what matters to her, if by what matters in their hearts, by what's most important to them. And Jesus says, this is what should be most important. To seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and don't worry about the other things, because they'll be added to you, he says. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And that's a form of faith. We put our trust in God, we look to the kingdom, we try and do the things that we are taught by the gospel. Quite a lot, isn't there? Jesus says, judge not... Or be judged. It's quite hard to say that, isn't it? I don't know. I always want to say it slightly differently, but judge not, 
or you're going to be judged, is basically what he's saying. So I don't think he quite puts it that way. Judge not that you be not judged, is what he says, which is easier to say, I think, somehow. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And when we looked in Luke, he puts it the other way around as well. If you're generous, then God will be generous back to you. Pressed down, good measure, overflowing, he says. So we need to listen to these things, don't we? What's, I think, further in the Gospels, I think, I think it's Paul who says in Galatians, um, you will reap what you sow. In other words, what you plant, the things that you um, in your life plant and, and sort out in, in a, a spiritual sense, will you'll reap those later what grows from the ground. So whatever you put in the ground, it's the parable, isn't it? The analogy, that's going to grow from the ground and that's what you're going to get later. So think about how you live your life and what you do, whether you're generous or whether you're mean. If you're mean, if you're unkind, then that's what you'll reap. If you're generous, if you're loving, then that's what you'll reap. That's what, what, what Jesus is saying. With what measure... with what you measure will be measured back to you. And then he gives this analogy, and I probably should have brought a plank, because that's that's the point of what he's saying. And when you see it, if you saw it, you know, here's this analogy, it's ridiculous. There's somebody there with a big plank stuck right out of their eye, and they come up to you and say, Can I just you've got a speck in your eye, can I take it out? And you have to duck because they move the head because it's you know, this plank sticking out. That's the analogy that Jesus is making. It's it's ridiculous, isn't it? But he's saying You've got to remove that first before you can start criticising somebody else. You've got to sort out yourself. That's what Jesus is saying. Just think about how you are before you start criticising other people. That's important. He also says um, in the same section something similar or interesting. He says, um, but you don't have to persist with those who are not interested. I guess... Maybe it relates to the speck in the eye, I don't know, maybe it's more than the speck, but some people just aren't interested in the gospel. And he call, he says, you know, don't, don't give what's holy to the dogs, uh, nor cast pearls before swine, because they're just going to trample them underfoot. You don't have to persist with those people if, they don't want, if they're not interested. But nevertheless, remember who you are compared to other people, and don't put yourself first, put others first. Um, I've put that over the top because that, that comes from James again, but mercy triumphs over judgment. Uh, and that's the principle that Jesus is putting across. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And he actually summarises it in um, the golden rule, if you like. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So where Jesus began by saying, I came not to destroy but to fulfill the law and the prophets, this is the sort of the end of that section in a way. This is, this is the law and the prophets. Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. That's the overarching principle of, of what Jesus is telling us. So... Towards the end of chapter 7, then, he's saying, well, there's, there's, what's the way to God? Well, in John chapter 14, um, Jesus says, I am the way, 
the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that comes out really in this section because Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life and there are few that find it. And contrary to what people often tell us that there are many different ways to God, it's not true. Jesus says so. Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and there are many who go in by it. So there's many ways to destruction on one way to God and it's narrow and difficult and Jesus is explaining it here and it's difficult because we don't always want to follow, we don't always want to listen. But the things of God, as he said at the beginning, bring blessing, bring happiness, bring the kingdom. And then the final final bit of that section is that Jesus is not fooled. Beware of people who claim, um, or he says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. I put it that way. Beware of people who claim to be Christian and are not, um, because inwardly they are ravening wolves. How can you tell? Well, you can tell them by what they do. Jesus says this, you will know them by their fruits. No men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. So the parable, the analogy is of a tree or of a plant. If it's full of thorns and it's prickly and it's unpleasant and it's unkind, then it's bearing bad fruit, isn't it? If it's the things of God that come out, if it's kindness and it's love and all those things that Jesus has been talking about already, then you can recognise us as a Christian because if they're following Christ. They're, doing, they're compassionate like Jesus was. They're kind like Jesus was. They speak the word of God like Jesus was. And they do the word of God as Jesus did and does. And he also says, well, never mind that. Be careful yourself as well. Because other people might be like that and you have to be aware of them. Don't believe those sort of people. But just be careful yourself. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day at the resurrection, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So it's the same principle, isn't it? Whether it's other people or ourselves. Because Jesus knows what we're like. When Jesus returns and the judgment comes, he knows exactly what we're like. Therefore, we can't pretend. We can't pretend we're something we're not. So we need to build on the foundations of Jesus' words. And that's the parable again. So whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them is a wise man, Jesus said. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does not do them is a fool. Because the wise man's house 
is founded on a rock. And it won't move. And when the return, Jesus returns, it won't fall because Jesus will recognise some of himself in that person because they have heard what he said and they've done it. And that's what we need to learn from this. But if we hear what he says and we don't do it and we don't bother, then our house is built without foundation and great will be the fall. So it's our choice, isn't it? The parable is telling us, listen to what Jesus says and do it. Because if we do, then our lives will be founded on a rock. And when the kingdom comes, we can be part of that kingdom. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, videos, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirtchristadelphians.org.uk. Thank you.